maybe about counterfeit. And if you think about uh, what counterfeit means and what it is, and I guess the, the real way to think about it is counterfeit money. And, you know, if, if somebody comes and buys something off of you with counterfeit money, they've, they've stole it from you. What you've got, what they've provided you is absolutely worthless. As a matter of fact, it's, it's worse than that. It's something that can get you put in jail. Uh, it's illegal to have. And, you know, I guess the thief is going to come and steal it from you under the cover of darkness, but the counterfeit, he's going to come and he's going to deceive you into thinking you've got something good till you get it to the bank, and then you're going to have a lot of explaining to do. Well, you know, we have an enemy in John chapter 8, the Lord speaks of the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning. He abode not in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. You know, he's a, he's a thief, a robber. He's one that would deceive and he's got no remorse about stealing from you. There's no remorse whatsoever. So you think about that now and about the most valuable thing that we're each blessed with, that eternal soul. And the Lord Himself says in, uh, uh, in Matthew and in Luke as well that a man would give the whole world in exchange for his soul. I believe you can see that somewhat uh, even naturally speaking. That if we were to get something that was was going to kill us and yet they thought, well, there's a good chance that we can have you cured, what wouldn't you give up in order to get cured? I, I tell you, you think about just that's just the natural life. But you put yourself in the presence of God in the judgment and what's laying in the balance is eternity in, uh, in the regions of the damned, eternity in hell versus eternity in heaven. And man in that place would be willing to give up everything that he ever had if he could have his soul and have his salvation. But the devil's out to deceive. The Lord in Matthew 13, there's several parables in this chapter. And what the Lord has done is he's taken natural things that we all understand to try to explain the spiritual, that we might know, I believe this, that we might know whether what we have is genuine or not. Wouldn't it be terrible to believe that what we have is salvation, that we're going to be okay in the judgment, and in the end wind up with a counterfeit? So the Lord has means to check in Matthew 13 verse 33. Another parable spake he unto them. The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. All these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables, and without a parable spake he not to them, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret, from the foundation of the world. So in a parable, and that, word, that means a word picture, he's given us something we can visualize 
to, to get an understanding of something that really we don't have any idea about. But here's the picture. A woman, she's baking, and three measures of meal, really an absurd amount of, of meal, of dough, uh, a, a little over a bushel is the best I can figure for how much this is. And she's going to take her hand and open the top of that up and she's going to put, you know, we, we might say yeast today, but the picture of the scripture here is she's made a loaf previous. She's kept back part of that. Now she's going to open this up and put that in and it's going to leaven the whole lump of bread. That, that living organism, and that's what yeast is, that's what leaven is, a living organism that goes into a lump of dough that is dead and that living organism transforms that dough. It's the difference between a cracker and a biscuit. You bake one that's unleavened and one that is and you compare the two, same ingredients, same everything and it's a different, it's got a different nature, it's got a different texture and a different taste that leaven, that living organism has completely transformed that that was in the bowl. It's evident. It's evident in every way. You can smell it. If it's sourdough, you can smell it working. If, if you put a little cover on it and have it in a bowl, you can see it working. You can see it coming up out of the bowl. When you put it in the oven and it begins to rise, you can see the evidence of the work. And so here, the Lord says the kingdom of heaven is like unto this. You know, you can, uh, the, it's amazing the things we have today. You can go on Google Maps or Earth and you can start with a, a, a picture of the whole United States and you can zoom right down and get right down to the street that I live on and you can get right down and stand in the road in front of my house. I believe that's the way the Word of God is. Here you can see the overall picture of the kingdom of God that the Lord Jesus was going to come and the Lord Jesus is one man in history. John the Baptist, one man, one voice crying in the wilderness and the Lord's going to come. He's going to anoint 12 men. Now 12, a dozen men to be apostles of the gospel. The Lord's going to give His life on the cross. He's going to be resurrected the third day, ascend back to God, and those twelve men are going to begin to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you think about that, that little bitty handful of leaven compared to a bushel of dead flour, and it looks insignificant. It looks like it's not able. But I tell you this, it doesn't matter how much dough you've got, if you've got a 55 gallon drum of dough, is that much leaven enough to leaven it all? If you let it work long enough, it'll take over everything. And so from 12 men 2,000 years ago, look where the gospel has been brought. Here we are in Spring Creek in the United States across the pond, a different language, a different race of people and yet the gospel has, as he predicted it would in Daniel, it's overrun the kingdoms of the world and will overrun the kingdoms that are today. It has conquered, it has endured as man tried to stomp this out through history, as man has tried to, to burn the word of God out of history, man has tried to persecute the church into non-existence and yet the gospel has conquered and is still leavening. 
But you know, you can zoom it right on in to the individual as well. The kingdom of heaven. And kingdom is really, if you look the word up, it's the reign of or the rule of or the dominion of heaven. And so when when a man is brought into the, the family of God, he enters into the kingdom of heaven. He says uh, in one of the letters, and I, I can't remember if it's Colossians or Philippians, but that God has translated us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. So God has taken these souls that were lost, He's brought them out of the kingdom of darkness, of the devil, of the enemy, and He's brought them into the kingdom of His Son. That's what being saved really is. It's that God has taken us out of the natural family of Adam, the fallen family. Adam fell in the Garden of Eden, and by that death has passed on to every man. By that man is corrupted. But the second man, Adam, the Lord Jesus, He's came and all those that are born in Him have eternal life through Him and through His works. And so the Lord the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of His dear Son. God has took us out of that natural Adam family and we're placed in the family of God. And now instead of the devil being the ruler and the overseer, God is now the ruler and the overseer. He said there in John 8 where I I just briefly mentioned it, that you're of your father the devil. You know how he knew they were? Because they did the works of their father the way those Pharisees and scribes and and Jews, the way they lived and behaved themselves, it told who their father really was. They weren't leavened, if you'll have it. But the kingdom of heaven is like unto this leaven. Not like the dough, but like the leaven. That living organism. And I know religion, religion's as dead as a hammer in the world we live in today. There's nothing to it. It's just a going through the motions. It's a brief ceremony. It's a church here and there. And it's a satisfaction of the conscience. But as far as anything being real or alive in the eyes of our world and the majority of man in it, there's nothing to it. It's satisfying man and satisfying people. But the kingdom of heaven is is real and is alive. There's something to this greater than a ceremony. And so the kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which is hid in three measures of meal. So where is this leaven, this living organism, I, I believe you could say the Holy Spirit of God, where is this Holy Spirit, this leaven, where is that placed at? Well, according to Corinthians, we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. Remember, this is just a word picture. This is something to help me understand what the kingdom of heaven does in an individual. And so we have the treasure, we have the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, not, not, a, 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 not a less than either. Don't think the Holy Spirit is less than Jesus or less than the Father, but they three are one. And in Acts, when uh, Annas and Sapphira, they lie about how much they sold their land for, Peter says, you've not lied to man, you've lied to the Spirit. And in the next verse, you've not lied to man, you've lied to God. 
So the Holy Spirit is the same as Jesus and is the same as God. Amen. They three are one. I know that's, that's hard to get a hold of, but that's what the Word of God teaches. They three are one. They are co-equal. They have one will, one mind, one desire. They all three work together for the salvation of the souls of man. And so here, the leaven, the Holy Spirit of God, is placed inside of the believers. And we have more than enough Scripture in Romans, though. Romans chapter 8 sews it up tight. There's no argument against it. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ... He is none of His. So if you just start with that benchmark, if a man has not been filled with the Spirit of God, he is not God's. If the Holy Spirit does not dwell in that individual, they are not saved. Now does baptism or how many trips to the altar, how good a person, does any of that have anything to do with it? Absolutely not. See, that's what man wants to throw up. How good I am and all the good I've done and what a good person I've been and how little that I've sinned and how religious that I've been. But the benchmark has no mention of any of those things. If I have not the Spirit... I'm none of His. So the kingdom of heaven then is like unto leaven. Now if there's no leaven in the dough, you know what it is? It's dead. You can leave it there. You can put it in a warm place. You can set it in the sun. You can put it in the shade. You can freeze it. You can refrigerate it. You can bake it. It's not going to move. There's no life in it. And that's the way man without God is. If man is left to his own self, he's going to go deeper into sin, but he's not growing towards God. Not in the least bit. He can't grow towards God because he's dead and there's no life in him. Man can't come on his own and by his own desire because he don't have a desire. He's dead. But the leaven, when the leaven is added, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal. So it's not something that is immediately observable. It's not something that you really take notice of. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. When somebody comes to an altar and you know they say a prayer, and I'm sure you've seen it. You've seen it multiple times. You've seen people say a prayer, they get up and they say they're saved, and they go home and there's nothing ever changed, and they wind up falling out, and they've got no desire whatsoever, no love for God the Father or the Son, or the Spirit, or the Church, or the Word. No love for any of that whatsoever. Now was that somebody that received the kingdom of God? Not not according to the Scripture. The kingdom's like unto leaven. The kingdom is living and alive. And when a man comes... It may look like another one of those cases. It may look like, why, that's nothing.
nothing. That will blow out in a week or two. But when a man truly receives the kingdom, it's hidden inside the middle of the man. And you know, his appearance is not changed. Maybe he looks like the same exact man that got up as the same man that went down. But in the heart of those that truly receive salvation, the leaven of the Holy Spirit of God has been placed inside of their heart. You know what immediately begins to happen? If the yeast is alive, if the leaven is alive, when it goes into the dough, it immediately begins to work. From where you put it, outward. And you know what it's doing? It's changing the fabric. And I've looked it up before and I can't remember. I can't remember what exactly is going on with yeast and bread, but it's consuming the sugar, it's putting off air, it's rising and swelling that bread up, it's changing the nature and the texture and the taste and the composition of the dough that's in the bowl, and as the Holy Spirit dwells within a man, He is changing the nature and the composition and the makeup of the man. And listen, this is not a new thing, but in Deuteronomy chapter 30, this is the, the last book that Moses wrote. Moses who gave the law, he said this, The Lord will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, that thou mayest live. So even Moses, the lawgiver, the man who people look to for, well, I've kept X amount of laws and and I've done this much good. But Moses was foretelling of a time that was to come that God was going to do a work in the inside of a man. Circumcising the heart is the word picture that Moses uses. And that the heart of man would then love the Lord God of heaven and he would live for the Lord God of heaven. Jeremiah uh, Jeremiah speaks of the same thing, that the day was coming that there's going to be a new covenant, saith the Lord, I will put my law in the inward parts. And Paul draws off of that that instead of in a a piece of stone inside the Ark of the Covenant down at the temple, God was going to write the Word and the law inside the hearts of the believers. Not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. And that was going to change the makeup. God was going to be their God and they were going to be His people. They By this work of God in the heart, they were going to be transformed and be followers of God. And so that's what we see in the New Testament. We see the Lord doing a work in the heart of man. In Ezekiel 36, and I I believe we looked at this last time we were here, but if you'll just bear with me for just a minute. uh, uh, In verse 26, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you an heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. So here is God working and the results of God's working is manifested in the way I'm living. Here is God removing a heart that was stony. You know what my heart was? It had no care for God or the things of God. My heart could sin. My heart could do as it pleased. And there was no guilt uh, uh, or no feeling bad. There was no, uh, no reason for me to do otherwise. I could do as I saw fit with my stony heart. 
You think about stone, no feeling, no tenderness whatsoever. That's the heart of those that are lost. But God says, I'm going to remove the stony heart and I'm going to put a new heart, a heart of flesh. You know what flesh is? You can hit stone with a hammer and it's not going to cry out, but you pinch that flesh just a little and there's feeling there. There's life is what there is. The flesh is alive. So He's going to give a heart that has feeling. A heart that's not able, it's not calloused, it's not stony, but a heart that is unable to go on and sin without having the guilt and the shame of that on them. A heart that is sensitive. In Zechariah, he said that they had made their heart as an adamant stone. They had hardened their heart to the place that even the Word and the law of God had no effect on them. That's... That's the way man is today. You can talk about heaven and the glories of living with God for eternity. You can talk about the judgment and the wrath of God towards sin. And there's no feeling whatsoever in man. Man is not moved to fear. Man is not moved to a place of thinking about himself. Man's heart is as an adamant stone. You know what's going to have to happen for man to come to the salvation of the Lord God's going to have to do a work. You can say conviction. I'll, I'll agree with that word. I think that's a good word for it. But God's going to have to remove the heart of stone and put in them a heart that can feel the judgment and the burden and the darkness, the blackness of sin. And so he says, I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you. So God is going to give us a new heart and His Spirit is going to dwell within us. Not the Spirit of Adam. Not the natural instinct of Adam. But God now has placed His Spirit and by the Word of God, this is Ezekiel 36 verse 27, and cause you to walk in My statutes. So God's working in the inward part of man is resulting in a new creature on the outside. Not in the way I look, not that I'm getting a a new body when I get saved, but that leaven is changing the loaf, the, the lump of dough that's in the bowl, and the Holy Spirit is changing the man that it's been placed in. You can see the evidence of it in the behavior. As a man receives the Spirit in the kingdom of heaven, God is working in him to change their nature. I've heard it said many times about, well, if you get saved, you have to give up things. That is the total wrong way to look at it. Because when a man or a woman gets saved, and if you're saved, I believe you know it, the desires change. If I don't like it anymore, you ever eat something, and then that night you're sicker than a buzzard all night long? It's happened to me a couple times. I don't know that I've ate either things that made me sick. Whether it was tied to it or not, I had no desire any longer 
to eat that, that killed me that night. And so my desires have changed. You can say, well, you had to give it up. Yeah, but it, it hadn't been no trouble for me to give that up since because I can still remember laying sick all night long. Well, that's what God does. He changes the inward nature of man. And there's not a desire to go back to sin because now that He saved us, we can look back and see the trouble that that got us into. We can see the shame that that brought uh, upon our Savior. We can see the judgment that weighed over that and we've got no desire to go back to living the lifestyle that we once lived. There's been a change in the inward man. I'd probably still like the way Brussels sprouts tasted. But I can't eat them no more. The desire has changed. The Word of God, the Kingdom of God changes the desire of man. And it's no trouble by the grace of God to come. I tell you, we'll just leave that where it is. I believe believe we can see and understand what God's Word is saying. And so, it will cause you to walk in My statutes. Ye shall keep My judgments and do them. On down in verse 31, Then shall you remember your own evil ways and doings that were not good, and shall love your own selves in your own sight for your iniquities. You know what this salvation does? It makes me despise what I was before. The way that I lived. The way that I treated people. The things I did. A lot to be ashamed of. You hear a lot of people talk about their past sin and and they're proud of that. Those that are in the kingdom, their desires have changed and they're now ashamed of all that they've done before. The leaven is working in the heart and in the, the mind of man. You know, he says here three measures of meal and if you look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and I'm not going to tell you that this is nailed down exactly what Jesus is saying. But if you look there in 1 Thessalonians 5, the last couple verses, He says, I pray that your entire body, mind, and soul be preserved. I believe there's the three measures of a man. There's the inward nature and instinct. There's the reasoning and rationale of man. And there's the body, the actions. You know everything I do with my body, it's either led by my rational mind or by my heart and what I love and enjoy. It's led. My body doesn't act on its own. There's instinct. There's nature. And so Jesus puts it this way. Adultery, fornication, murder, all of this evil. You know where that comes from? Why are people's bodies engaged in sins of this nature? It's because in their heart, Jesus says it comes from the heart. It comes from within. In the heart, that's what we desire. In the heart, that's what we want. If the heart desired something different, the body would do something different. Don't you agree with that? So man, man, how he treats God, how he lives, and you can say, well, you don't really know my heart. Okay, fair enough. I can't look into your heart. I'll agree with that. 
But you know, the way you live and move and have your being in this world, your body is doing what your heart desires. Your body is proving what is inside of your heart. So Jesus says this, that when the kingdom of heaven, uh, it's like unto leaven, which is took and hid in three measures of meal. It looks insignificant. Looks like it doesn't matter. But in just a little while, the whole is going to be leavened. Is there going to be one part of the dough that's left out? Well, God can have this, but He sure can't have that. That's not the kingdom of God. That's not the way this works. As the leaven is working, everything that's in the bowl is going to be transformed. You know, my heart, my desires, my wants, my, the things I love and enjoy, you know, the leaven of the kingdom of God, it's going to alter and change them. What I once wanted to do on Sunday before I got saved, you know that's totally different than what I want to do now? You know there was times that I'd want to act sick to stay out of church. There were things I wanted to do more than I wanted to go to church. There were times that my mouth could say whatever it wanted to say no matter what it cost somebody else, no matter whose feelings that it hurt, no matter what damage that it done, no matter how ungodly the speech was, if my mouth wanted to say it, I'd say it. It's a truth. That's the way we all were. And yet, the kingdom of God has changed the nature of and the makeup of man. And it's not that I've got a man in handcuffs and I'm forcing him to do. But see, it's the inward heart that's been changed. The desire has been changed. What I love is now different. And I, I apologize. We'll be finished in just a short little while, I promise. So the heart, the mind, and the reasoning, the thinking, and the logic. So you, you think about that now. As we think about things, as we ponder on things, we, we used to think of things in the mind of the world. He says this in Romans, I believe, make not provision for the flesh. So what's that? Don't plan to fulfill the lusts and the desires of the flesh. That's the way our mind used to think. What's best for me? What am I going to gain the most from? What is going to bring me the most fulfillment? What's going to bring me the most pleasure? Whatever that is, that's what I'm going to do. But now, in the kingdom of God... God is changing even the thinking and rationale of a man. And you know, I've thought, this is just a silly example maybe, but I've thought in the past that if, if I let my yard go to where it looked like a, a gom, people would say, now, that's the laziest man on Spring Creek. That's the laziest man in Hot Springs. I don't care a bit to hear him preach. I don't want to hear him. I don't want to hear one word that that lazy man has to say. Don't you reckon that would happen? Absolutely. I could put up a, a political sign in the yard. You know what that's going to do? Half the people's going to love it. The other half's going to. I ain't listening to what that preacher's got to say. 
So you see, the thought process goes from proving my point and what I want and what I desire to what benefits the kingdom, what brings the most glory to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and whether it hurts me or it's good for me, that should be the last thing on the mind. That's not natural. The natural man wants to prove his point, but the leaven of the kingdom of God has made a change in the natural man. In Titus chapter 3, verse 3, we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. What's happening in Titus chapter 3? Man is being transformed by the power of God. There was a time that we could live in sin. There was no guilt whatsoever. There was a time we could do everything we wanted to do, but now the love of God and the power of salvation has appeared unto us and He's washed us and He's cleansed us and He's purified us and He's made us whole and today our desire is completely different than it used to be. You can wash the filth off the hog the hog still wants in the filth. God's not washing hogs off and turning them back in the pasture. God is making a new creation. He's not just washing off the filth from a man, but He's changing His nature and man says, I don't want to go back and wallow in that anymore. He's leavening the whole man. So you say, well, the kingdom, it's hid. Yeah, it's hid in a man. Just like the leaven's hid in a loaf. But you leaven one. Make you one next Saturday. Put your yeast in. Get it all mixed up. Put it in a bowl and put saran wrap on it. And just let it sit there on the counter or on the stove. Come back by every 30 minutes. You know what you're going to see? The leaven's hid. You can't see it. But boy, you can see the evidence of it. You let her sit long enough, she'll push the top up. The saran wrap will be pushed up. You let her sit long enough, she'll push it plumb off. That's what the kingdom of God is like. Transforming. Changing. Not just one facet of my life, but making a new creature. 2 Corinthians Chapter 5, you know the Scripture by heart, no doubt. You know it by heart. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. I heard a man teach, and I've, I've never forgot this. I love this picture. He said, if we had a line up here, and by my power I transformed that into a new creature, into a, an anteater. What about that has changed? I tell you, everything's changed. Where it lives, what it eats, what it looks like, where it hangs out, the way that it, uh, the way that it behaves itself, everything about it has changed. It's a new creation. When God saves an individual, 
the life is changed. That's the Word of God. The whole is leaven. And I realize the moment we get saved, we're not completely leavened at that point. I realize that. There's growing. There's sanctification. There's a work of God. The Bible says, I believe it's in Philippians, He that hath begun a work in you will continue it. There is an ongoing work of God. It's the picture of leaven. When you drop it in, the the lump's not leavened. You've got to give it time. And so as the kingdom of God enters, maybe at first it doesn't have very much influence at the very first. But I tell you, over time, if live leaven was put in there, it's going to take over every part of that man. And if you got saved 30 years ago, I tell you, 30 years of leaven working, you ought to be a totally different person than you were before. But I'm afraid a pile of people have been handed a counterfeit by the devil. They think what they've got is genuine and their dough has never rose out of the bowl. There's been no transformation. If I open a bag of yeast and I put it in my biscuit mix, and I come back in an hour and it's not moved any, you know what I can say with confidence? That yeast must have been bad. It was dead. It wasn't alive. Well, That's the picture of the Word of God here. If the life is not being transformed, if the leaven of God is not taking over the whole of a man, then what was placed in you was not the genuine kingdom of heaven. You know, that's not... It's that we might recognize the counterfeit before we're, we've lost everything. You know, that's why the stores, some of them's got a little light that they put the bill under. Some of them's got a pen. You know what they want to do? They want to catch that before it's too late. If that's a counterfeit note, we don't want to accept it. We want to, we want to catch that before that we get robbed, before they steal from us. I tell you, we ought to be looking to see whether what we've got is genuine because if we wait till the judgment, it's be too late. It's too late at that point. We've got time today. We've got life today. Well, what ought I do, preacher? We ought to be under the Word of God and say, God, reveal to me and call to me and search me and let me see what I truly am. Because I tell you what's coming. Judgment is coming. It's as certain. You've heard the old saying, death and taxes are the only two things. Well, death, and after this the judgment. Man is quickly going out to meet God. Man's going out to stand before God. We better be sure what we have is genuine and not a counterfeit. One more place in 1 John chapter 1, verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. I guess a more popular scripture along the same lines in Romans chapter 6. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. You know, there's people that would accuse folks that believe of eternal salvation. And what you're saying is people can come and be saved 
and then they're free to live however they want to and they're still saved in the end. But what they miss is this leaven. Can a man that the grace of God has acted on continue in sin? No. God forbid. How can they? And here in Matthew, the leaven has overcome the life. In 1 John, if a man says that he has fellowship and is walking in darkness, how can it be that a man has fellowship with God and his life is in darkness? You know what James says about God? That He is light. There's no darkness in Him. No shadow of turning. There's not even a shadow of darkness with God. So, how can I be in fellowship with God while I walk in darkness? Is that possible? Is it possible for me to be in the light and be in darkness? That's all that's on our heart. I know.